evidence and answers. We are exhorted to hold every thought captive. This sometimes is so hard. How do we go about having the mind of Christ? Every day, moment by moment. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's episode of Evidence and Answers, Pat will conclude a message entitled, Developing the Christian Mind. With the conclusion is our host, Pat Zucran. For example, if you go into a hotel and you see two elevators, one is dark and there's no music, and you didn't see anyone going in or out. The one on the right, there's lights, there's music, and you thought you saw people going in and out. Which elevator are you going to pick? Well, the one on the right. Why? Well, you looked at the evidence, you processed it through your reasoning faculty, and you made a decision. Biblical faith is not a blind leap in the dark. There's no evidence, and I'm going to believe it anyway. Biblical faith is taking a step of faith in the direction where the evidence leads. Does it still take faith to go in the elevator? Yeah, might not work. But I have good reasons to move in that direction rather than in the other direction. All right? That's what biblical faith is. And we use reason. We look at evidence every day before we buy a car, before we take medicine. For many of you, why did you pick the college you did? Well, and for some, that's the only one we got into. All right? But for others, why did you pick it? Well, it had the major I wanted. It had the activities I wanted, on and on. Okay? You look for evidence, you process it through your reasoning faculty, and you take a step of faith in that direction. If something is true, there should be evidence to support your case, and we should be able to answer the challenges of opposing worldviews and ideologies. Today, we live in a post-Christian culture. In our culture today, it views Christianity as an irrelevant religion of a bygone era made up of myths and legends. And not only is Christianity viewed as false today, it's viewed actually as dangerous. And we are now the bad guys on campus and in the culture today. Dr. Robert Coons, who I interviewed on my radio show, is a longtime professor of philosophy at the University of Texas, and he writes this about the atmosphere of the university campus today. He says, it's gotten increasingly hostile toward the Christian faith, especially in the classroom. When I was a student, the vast majority of teachers were not Christian, but a lot of people had the attitude that faith is a good thing and we're not going to attack it or knock it. But nowadays, the view among the faculty is that Christianity is not only misguided and false, but actually pernicious and evil and should be stamped out. Any student arriving at almost any college or university today will face that kind of attitude. Okay? Whether spoken, as Mark mentioned last night, or it's just an attitude you receive, you'll sense that hostility throughout the campus as you go and study. In our post-Christian culture then, it's not enough just to present the gospel and say, hey, please believe. We must often provide compelling reasons and evidence for why we should be taken seriously. And often when we do, often when Christians are turned on to apologetics and they see that there's compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ, there's a personal revival that comes about 
in their own personal life when they hear this stuff. There's a new confidence that grows in Christians where they have more confidence to share their faith with their friends and their colleagues. Here, a couple years ago, I was at Cornell University. There, those of you that are familiar with Cornell, anybody go there? In the Ivy League schools, this is called what? Suicide University, right? It's the highest suicide rate of all the Ivy League schools. And is it any wonder some of the strongest atheist proponents are there? Carl Sagan, there's a monument to him where he once lived. And I remember walking around this beautiful campus, being given the tour, and on every bridge there were these bars. Yeah, you been there? Like, you know, and I said, why do you have all, you know, finally I asked, why do you have all these bars on these bridges? You just ruined the beauty of these great waterfalls and everything. And he said, well, we have the highest suicide rate. Students jump off this bridge every semester. I said, every year. He goes, every semester. He goes, our dean of students is horrified at how many times he's got to call parents to tell them your son or daughter just committed suicide. So here on this campus, all the Ivy League schools were started as schools to train young pastors for the new frontier, except Cornell. And Cornell is strictly a secular university. So on this campus there, there's really no chapel there. And here's the hall I was speaking in, the ecumenical hall here. And I was going to go into what's called the lion's den. I speak for 30 minutes, and then for the next... 40 minutes, 45 minutes, students can ask me any question they want. So here I was in the ecumenical hall. The Muslims were outside praying against us, but we didn't know what kind of turnout we we're going to have. And I didn't expect much. You know, I'm not Billy Graham or whoever. I'm just Aunt Zoot, some dude from Hawaii. And that room was jam-packed, just filled. We had to open up another auditorium for another over a hundred students to sit and just watch my video there. Most of them, as you can see, are Asian. Right? <laughs> uh, so I was in there and I present 30 minutes of why I am a Christian, followed by 45 minutes of whatever question they wanted to ask. And when I was done, that wasn't it. Students were coming up after, constantly asking me questions. And there were other students coming up to me. One was from Africa. She said, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm from Africa. I've been here for four years. I never opened my mouth to share about my faith in Christ. I didn't know if my faith could stand up to the challenges here on the university campus. And she shook my hand. She said, thank you. Thank you. Now I know that my faith can stand and meet the challenges of the university campus here. Another student came up to me and said, hey, I'm from Hawaii. So he said, hey, right on. He said, yeah, I've been here for one year, and I didn't know if I could believe in Christ anymore. I didn't know if it was worth it anymore. Now, for the first time I've heard, there is compelling reasons for my faith in Christ. Thank you. Thank you for coming. And student after student, Christians were coming up to me saying, I have a new confidence now in my faith in Christ and to be able to share on the university campus. Here in Uganda, I was there several years ago. This is Fort Portal. Fort Portal is a Muslim stronghold, all right? And when you enter the gates of the city, the first thing you see is this Muslim mosque. And I remember looking to the left up on a mountain, what I thought was a hotel. And I said, well, what hotel is that? And they said, that's the king of this village. That's his palace. And Uganda's one of the poorest countries in the world. And I said, how did he get a palace like that? And they said, well, he converted to Islam. And uh, they said, the Muslims come in here by force, and they're converting our pastors left and right. And they're saying, you know what? You convert to Islam. We serve the same God. 
We honor Jesus. So join Islam. We'll give you a house, a car, and a really good salary. And our pastors are leading left and right. Can you help us? So right back here, right? So maybe where uh, that shack is over there was our conference. All right, so I'm not, I'm just a stone throw away from the Muslim mosque. And here I am preaching Islamic apologetics. And as you know, Islam, Al-Qaeda is there and all of that. And so being so close to the mosque, I kept looking out this window, thinking if someone's going to throw something at me, all right, because uh, Coney and his boys are there. And it's a tremendously unstable place. But I remember walking the first day of the conference. They came in really, and uh, it was pretty depressing. But then uh, I shared apologetics, the Bible and the Quran. Let's compare the two. Which one has the evidence that it is the divinely inspired word of God? And we went through that study and the authority of the Bible. And Alarm was there to uh, pass out these guys' brand new Bibles. You know, these guys had tattered Bibles. And when I was done teaching, a man, that man in the bright blue coat there stood up and he began pointing and shouting at me in the Ugandan language. So I looked at my translator and I said, what's he saying? Hoping he's not out to kill me. Is he? And he said, my translator said, for too long now the Muslims have come here by force and we have never been able to answer the challenge of Islam. Now for the first time, we can meet the challenge of Islam. Now for the first time we can. Then another brother stood up and he began shouting and pointing at me and everyone else in the crowd in the Ugandan language. And I looked at my translator and said, what's he saying? And he said, for too long now the Muslims come on the evangelistic crusades and all we can do is beat around the bush with these guys. We could never answer their challenges. Now for the first time, I feel equipped to meet the challenge of Islam when they come this year. And then the elder spokesman in the first row stood up and he looked at everyone, he said, gentlemen, we have received our brand new Bibles today. And from the teaching we have heard, can we sit here today? It's our time to celebrate. And they broke out in song. And remember, the mosque is, you know, it's right, right where those trash bins are. They can hear everything we're doing. So for these guys to sing the way they did was very dangerous, a courageous thing to do. But so thrilled at what they had heard, they jumped up and started singing. They're singing there in Uganda, and heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word shall endure forever. And remember, right, right next door is the Muslim mosque, and they're singing all these things. But the whole atmosphere changed as they came to understand there is compelling and powerful evidence for our faith in Christ. It is indeed true, and there's powerful reasons why we can believe, and we don't need to hide or be ashamed when we know why we believe, all right? Tremendous reception there. I'll be very disappointed if I don't get the same one here after. <laughs> all right. You saw them holding their brand new Bibles. Up. Now, how do we develop the mind? Well, it comes through hard work, right? Those of you that going into med school, how do you get in med school? Hard work, all right? You got to get off the video games, all right? You got to get, get in the library. <laughs> Get those books. Those of you that are in athletics, how do you get to the top level? Hard work, man. You got to get out to the golf course, to the baseball field, whatever, and get out there and work hard. Same thing with the Christian life. There's no shortcuts about it. Hey, one conference ain't going to do it. 
All right, one sermon, ain't gonna, one emotional experience ain't going to do it. One of the best ways to develop the mind is to study and interact with the great minds in the history of the church. You know, here's some. C.S. Lewis, the guy that did the Chronicles of Narnia, came up, was an atheist until his mid-30s when he became a believer in Christ. Wrote some of the best books on the Christian worldview and apologetics. The Mere Christianity is a classic. Unfortunately, how many Christians have read it? I didn't read it until I was in grad school. You know, I didn't even know about C.S. Lewis. Okay? Francis Schaeffer, How Should We Then Live? Another classic. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. Here's a man, pastor in Germany, one of the few courageous voices who spoke out against Hitler and the Nazi regime and calling on Christians to truly follow Christ. You'll stand against evil regimes like this. And he was killed for his faith in Christ. Yet he wrote a great book before he died, The Cost of Discipleship. One of the classics, most challenging for Christians all over the world. And study with the giants of today. And my mentor, Dr. Norman Geisler, perhaps one of the greatest defenders of the Christian faith today. Ravi Zacharias. Those of you going into sciences, and you need to read Darwin on Trial. That, that book has completely changed the face of our understanding of Darwinian evolutionary theory. And you talk about a book that has just shattered the scientific world, it's just has shook it to its core. That's a classic there, okay? Now, for those of you maybe beginning in apologetics, this is the first time you've heard there's such thing as a Christian worldview and evidence for your faith. Can I recommend this guy? I think he's pretty good. Okay, it's a great place to start giving you a good overview. This guy takes these brilliant minds, because he's a simple-minded man, takes these brilliant minds and makes it simple. Finally, Christians need to know why they believe, because they need to know how to identify and refute false ideas. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, We demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. The word demolish there is the Greek word kataskato. Kata means down. Skato means to throw over. The picture is this. It's of men attacking a fortress, and before you can go into the castle and capture the enemy, You've got to dig down under the foundations of the fortresses and the wall, the wall that protects the fortress, and just throw it over. The walls that protect protection, Paul is speaking here, is of the mind. The false ideas unbelievers have that hold them captive. And often, a Christian has to be able to refute those false ideas before unbelievers are going to take you seriously all right there are strongholds that keep people from seriously considering the message of christ remember christianity is never preached in isolation but in the context of a culture and its ideas and today in the culture and especially on the campus our culture is dominated by false but very powerful ideas that can have a very corrosive effect on your faith if you buy into them. And often you're gonna to have to break through these strongholds and answer these ideas before people take you seriously. Okay? Darwinian evolutionary theory, the new atheists, 
with their arguments. Relativism of truth, moral relativism, the new tolerance, religious pluralism that says all religions are equally valid and true. Those are some of the ideas that dominate our culture and our campus that we need to answer if people are going to take our faith in Christ seriously. I remember not long ago I was speaking at a university in Chicago and I was presenting my case for Christ and when I was done during the Q&A time a young man stood up on my right side, your left, his name was Gordon and he said, I don't believe a word you said, there's no such thing as truth, all truth is relative, so whatever you said carries no weight here, I don't believe it and I don't think anyone else does. And I said, all truth is relative. He said, yes. I said, let me repeat that one more time. All truth is relative. He said, yes, that's what I said. I said, is that a true statement you just made? That all truth is relative. And he began to shake. He's like, I got an answer for you. And he joined. first time I ever seen it, he ran out of the uh, auditorium. So I thought, oh, okay, all right. Well, he's gone. Okay, so I was answering more questions. Then he came. <laughs> He came running back with a sheet of paper. Came running back in, he sat down, raised his hand again. I said, yes, and he goes, relativism, relativism of truth, and he read the definition from Wikipedia. And he said, this is the definition of truth. I said, is that true for me? He said, yeah. I said, is that true for her? He said, yeah, that's true. that true for everyone? He said, yeah. I said, so that definition is true for everyone? He said, yes. I said, do you believe that absolutely? He said, absolutely. I said, there's an absolute truth right there. And then he, he, he was shaking, shaking, he said, well, I can't believe you Christians because you Christians judge and teach people to judge others because they live differently. And I said, is it wrong for people to falsely judge others because of the way they believe? He said, yes. I said, is it wrong for me to do? He said, yeah. I said, is it wrong for her to do? He said, yeah. I said, is it wrong for him to do? He said, yeah. I said, is it wrong for everyone in here to do that? He said, yeah. I said, absolute number two. It's wrong for everyone to judge others falsely. He said, well, I can't believe in Christ because you Christians hate homosexuals. And I said, is it wrong to hate people for the way they live? He said, yeah. I said, is it wrong for me to do that? He said, yeah. He said, is it wrong for her to do that? He said, yeah. He said, is it wrong for everyone? Yeah. Is it wrong for everyone to do that? He said, yeah. I said, absolute number three. It's wrong to hate people for the way they live. So I said, we went from zero absolutes to three. You know, he just started shaking, and I said, I'll tell you what, we'll talk afterwards, okay? We'll talk afterwards, and then uh, uh, you can ask me some more, okay? So he sat down, and he was still shaking. He was really mad. But then I answered some more questions, and we closed the session. Then after, Gore and I went out for coffee, and we began talking and dialoguing. It was a great time we had, and then that night I came, and I gave a presentation on the resurrection. And when I was done, Gordon raised his hand. This time, his spirit was really different. And he was a lot nicer in the way he answered. He said, I got one more question for you. I said, sure, Gordon, what is it? He said, did God know man was going to sin and screw up and bring all this evil and suffering on the earth? I said, yeah. He goes, then why did God create man in the first place? Walk right into the gospel presentation. And he walked right into the gospel presentation there. So after our first interaction, he was much more open to hearing the gospel message. And often that's what we got to do as Christians. We got to tear down those walls that hold people captive, answer the false ideas that dominate the culture before they're going to seriously consider your message in Christ. So your application is this. The Christian on campus 
must work harder than the average student. Because you've got to learn the material well, but also you need to take time to evaluate it through a biblical worldview perspective to determine what is true and what is false. All right? That's why the Christian student works harder than the other students. Okay? You might find yourself overwhelmed. Well, fortunately, there's a lot of resources for you out there. Not only do we have great books, we've got great internet sites. All right? Here's one that I used to work for, a ministry I worked with for 20 years, probe.org. Probe has scientists on staff, people experts in education, in art, in literature, in science, in ethics, in philosophy, over a thousand articles on whatever issue you may encounter there on campus. Those of you in the sciences, here's a great one, Reasons to Believe. Hey, they're one just dedicated to the sciences. Great site there, reasons.org. Hopefully there's another great site for you there. Our radio show, Evidence and Answers, where you can hear some of uh, me interview some of the top scholars from all over the world in all kinds of areas, the sciences, medical ethics, art, literature, atheism, the Zen Buddhism, all right? Debates I've had with some of the most popular atheists out there, okay? and a whole host of resources there. So some great sites for you there as you study at the university. So remember folks, loving God involves your entire being. Matthew 22 said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. People have studied, historians have studied the first century church and wondered how this tiny group of peasant fishermen in just a short time was able to transform and eventually conquer the Roman Empire. And Justinian, the last pagan Roman Empire before he died on his bed, before he died declared Invictus Galilean, Galilean you have won. He knew he could not stop the power of the message of Jesus Christ. And historians have studied it and wondered how Christians were able to transform the Roman Empire in such a quick time. And my history professor summed it up best. He said the Christians were able to transform the Roman Empire because they could outlove and outthink the culture around them. And when you have that combination, that's a powerful combination. That's an unbeatable combination. When you can outlove and outthink the culture around you. More than ever today, we need a generation of Christians who will rise up and be able to outlove and outthink the culture around them. So this weekend, will you make a commitment? to develop not only your heart, but also from this moment on, develop your mind for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the challenge you have presented before us. May each one of us here dedicate our lives to developing our whole being, heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love you with all our being. And I pray for each one here. May these days of preparation and these days of college as they prepare for life, seeing some of the best and most enjoyable and most memorable in their life as they seek to prepare for a lifetime of ministry to serve you in whatever arena you call them to. And I pray this for them in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed Pat's study entitled, 
Developing the Christian Mind. If you found this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, click on the Donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. That's evidenceandanswers.org. We have a wide variety of resources available for you, including articles, books, and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.